Hello and welcome to the Property Roundup here on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. The show where we chat to industry experts to get a view on activity on the ground and about new trends emerging. This show is sponsored by DAF.ie, Ireland's most visited property website. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by returning guest, Magella Galvin, Chartered Surveyor, Estate Agent, Registered Value and Director with D&G Galvin Auctioneers in Bandon. Um, Magella, thank you so much for joining us again today. I'm delighted uh, to chat to you again because there has been another month of mixed media commentary and it is so confusing for people to get a handle on what's happening on the ground. Great to join you, Carol. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's it's a constant, I suppose, it's constantly changing and there's a lot of complexities and, um, you know, buyers are finding it very challenging, yet sellers are finding it challenging as well. I suppose a big issue, like there is a lot of demand for property out there. We're not seeing a slowdown and, and supply is really struggling, particularly in the secondhand market. And you also take new homes like they're they're more in supply in more urban areas than they would be out in the rural areas. So, you know, it's it's an all round low supply. And like if you look at the second hand market, we would have a lot of um, people who are thinking of selling, but they're putting it on the long finger because they're looking to find a property first, which is a bit of a trap because I can understand there's a fear that if they sell their property, where will they go? Um, But the other side of the coin is if they haven't got their property in the market and haven't got it sale agreed and they do see their dream home, they won't be in a position to put in a valid offer on it. So, you know, sellers need to realize, I suppose, as well, that the time it takes to prepare a property for sale. Well, look, that's definitely something that we're going to discuss today because that particular scenario you describe is one of the most common queries that we get into the show or that we get across our social media at iProperty Radio. Um, It's the situation, I think, where people are most struggling with. And, you know, it's funny. We always think of first-time buyers having their struggles, but actually there's a lot of support there for first-time buyers. Mm -hmm. But for those trading up or down, irrespective of the circumstance, whether they're doing it kind of with trading up with a young family or trying to trade down and stay within their local community and um, between rising interest rates, really low uh, supply and demand that just doesn't seem to be waning at all. Um, you know, every category of home buyer right now has their challenges. So we're definitely going to get into that. Um, but actually, what I want to talk about first is you've talked, you've mentioned there, there's no slowdown in demand, which is just not what we predicted or expected or would have really been able to forecast two or three years ago we would have thought that the pent-up demand from um during lockdown would have to ease off at some point and that just doesn't seem to be happening so let's break down the demand particularly that you're seeing in the court market who's who's buying who's who's ready buying so carl first-time buyers are very active um and but again there's a lot of support out there with help to buy schemes and they're mainly going for the new bills and and the a energy rated homes in order to get the green mortgages and and the help to buy scheme as i was saying um but there's a lot of families looking to trade up you know they want the bigger garden they want the fourth bedroom and the family is growing and they're finding it very difficult to trade up and because sourcing another property the majority of those people want to stay within the locality where they're close to the 
kids school and um, but the, just that space I suppose we're also finding in 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 West Cork as well that you know there's a lack of detached houses within close proximity of the towns so you know, you know it's yeah that, that just that it seems incredibly unfair to the cohort of of say perhaps younger families that are looking to trade up because I think as a nation we need to accept some bit of responsibility um, for selling the, the generation a decade ago. A bit of a lie about starter homes. And I think that people wouldn't have bought the homes they bought if they had known they were going to be stuck in them or they were going to be stuck in negative equity. And I appreciate that's the nature of the market. But I feel that, you know, maybe there should be some some easing or, or some better mortgage terms for those who are not technically first time buyers but they maybe bought first-time buyers at the height of the market, have been in negative equity almost ever since. You know, they have perhaps at this stage started to settle down, want to start a family, need to move for their jobs. And they're at a huge disadvantage when, you know, for all intents and purposes, they are like first-time buyers. And it just feels very unfair, the situation they're in, just because of the age they're at or the, the milestone they hit a decade ago. Yeah, that's very true. Um, they're in a very challenging position. I mean, I I was listing a property today actually for um, a young man and he was only in his late 30s. He bought the property two years ago um, and he was going abroad. So, you know, there is there is people don't realize the different scenarios that are out there. And um, another active um, segment in the market is people looking to downsize. Mm -hmm. um, we've seen a lot of increases um, in sales appraisals for downsizers and I suppose the main learning thing there is they're looking for something that's not out there at the moment and like practical they're looking for it to be within walking distance of the town they're looking for a home a bungalow preferably you know with a bedroom downstairs but the, that kind of stock aren't out there and what we're finding, if they are out there, they're probably need a refurbishment and upgrading. And people, you know, downsizers don't really want to go into that project. The other side of it is it's very hard to get labor to actually carry out projects like that. So it it is really, really tough on all segments of the market. And um, you've touched on a couple of real trigger points for people there. So I'm going to break them down one by one. Um, so let, let's start with the first-time buyers because actually just this week um you know the the data from the mortgage federation came out and it showed that first-time buyers are far and away the most common type of buyers uh, securing a mortgage at the moment and i was i i was trying to break down and interrogate that data to try understand are there more first-time buyers buying now or are there fewer other home buyers buying now and it wasn't really clear to me um so i i'm you know, just when you talk about maybe the first time buyers having that bias for new bills and A rated homes, um, is that is that because that's the supply that's coming to the market now? Because we know the secondhand supply isn't coming to the market or, you know, are, are first time buyers coming in to you when they come into you and they have their mortgage for the locality they're looking for? Are their mortgages aligning with what the new bills are selling for? Yeah, I suppose First-time buyers, because of the schemes that are going, like the help to buy scheme and things, they're naturally going to try and get a new build to benefit from that. Like if they go to a second-hand um, property, 
they're going to lose that. So, you know, that is an element. The other side of it is, again, the the stock in the secondhand market simply isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, first-time buyers really, in general, they want to turn key property. And so, you know, there is also more increased environmental awareness. People want to go into the energy rated home and have nothing to do anymore. And, you know, so, yeah, first time buyers are active, but there is a certain segment of the market that they're active in. You know, it's interesting, and I know that this won't be this won't be a very welcome comment for me to make um, for our industry. But the reality is new bills are more expensive uh second-hand homes where they're available particularly derelict properties or something can represent much better value for first-time buyers so you know i i feel that if you have a first-time buyer who's willing to put up with a little heartache they will probably end up with a very good property if they're willing to put the work in but as you say they tend to want the the turnkey now at the moment but sometimes you know, I, I really was conflicted when there was that kite flying before the budget this year as to whether uh, help to buy schemes should be expanded. Um, and I, I really was conflicted as to whether they, we needed to just support new bills or look to the second hand. Um, and, and, and on balance, because of the lack of supply and because we still need to ramp up the number of new homes delivery, I felt that it was best to leave... Um, to, to leave well enough alone and and to um incentivize the new bills like, but that's a very good point it feels there unfair. it feels unfair yeah it does but it's a very good point you made there because you know it's not just they want turnkey homes it's what they can get the best mortgage rates for mm-hmm. so if they were to buy a property that requires work or being derelict it's very hard for them to get a mortgage almost impossible so you know the government really needs to look at something to provide support i mean i know there's the vacant property grant and there's the derelict um property grant but that that's no way adequate for the support that's needed well uh, joe i'm glad you brought them up because actually they're ones i do want to touch on with you so maybe first give us an idea for um what areas i know you're based in bandon but what geographic areas do you cover so we cover quite a large area. We cover from Cork, Bandon, Kinsale, Clonakilty, all out West Cork. Okay. And so in terms of the level of, say, vacancy or dereliction, um, would you have an idea about what is the, the current level of vacancy or dereliction there? And I suppose, um, and I know it's difficult to get those numbers. I mean, it's difficult for the government to get those numbers, so it's very hard for anyone else to have them. But I'm just trying to gauge, would it be above or below average um for for kind of nationwide stats i think we're we're probably about average um carol to be honest again depending in different towns and things but like the viability of doing those projects um up is just financially not viable at the moment um i i i understand sorry i, I know you're saying they're not viable but i have a i have a difficulty with the vacant home schemes and it's difficult for me to admit that because I was one of the people that championed them and lauded them coming in and, and was delighted with it. Um, until we actually went to get down to the practical application of it. And the practical application of it is that most of these properties are in a state that you cannot get a mortgage on because we effectively only have three mortgage lenders. Like it is, it just makes no sense to me at all that we were allowing the situation 
in the in the current housing crisis where we have so many uh, financially capable people who want to buy homes that we have a contracting mortgage market that just doesn't make sense but the fact that actually mortgages are not always available on the condition of these properties or the location of these properties um so if you have any little pot of money at all you have to use it even if the property is cheap you have to use it to spend to buy and actually the grant doesn't get paid out in phases it's uh you finish all of the work and then you have to get everything signed off and then you draw down the money and in fact i actually spoke to um i've spoken to a couple of vacant homes officers to see was i missing something about the application process and they've said to me indeed that's exactly it that the only people that they had seen who were able to avail of it were people who either owned or inherited the house so as in if you need to get a mortgage then chances are you won't be able to do up the property. Um, and uh, I had one vacant homes officer in one county council say to me, um, but find a builder who will do the work and pay when you draw down the money. And yeah, th that was just the most off the wall thing I've ever heard. Like, And, and unfortunately, that's the kind of um, disconnected thinking that makes these schemes, while great in theory, absolutely beyond useless in application. And then... It feels to me like the credit union is the nation's backup. So it's incredibly unfair. So I suppose as an estate agent, are you ever in a position of selling those particular properties to people who might want to do them up but are just not in a position to do them up? Absolutely. But I think like I think if we have a vacant property now and I've sold quite a few of them that require work, the main interest you will you would get is from an investor who is the cash buyer. Mm -hmm who can afford to do it up and claim back the grant after. I mean, when you see the prices obviously are a bit lower range for these kind of properties, you'll get lots of call from first time buyers and things. But when you go down to the mechanics, you know, I'm always straight and say, I think you're going to find it hard to get a mortgage here or almost impossible. I've never seen one to be able to get a mortgage on it yet. So while it's there to help people, you know, get on the market, it's actually, you know, it's it's not doing it. Then investors, you know, some of them are, I suppose, um, quite reluctant because they'd have to hold on to the property for 10 years. Now, at least they can rent it out now. But, you know, there's that catch as well. And, um, you know, I, I'm so glad you've actually articulated that because actually I ask every guest that, where we have this discussion, I ask them. Have any of your clients been able to successfully do this? Have any of your buyers have you been have you been a witness to any one successful transaction? No, the answer is always no. So actually, we have an, a scheme that is just so badly needed across rural Ireland. In in the home I'm living in, while we wait for planning permission, I live on a lane where, um, for every one lived in house. Uh, there is maybe a 1960s farmhouse that is vacant. And then there is maybe a century old ruins of a cottage that is derelict. And the thing is, I would absolutely adore to do one of those, as as would so many people I know. So it's actually very frustrating that this is needed. So it's not like um, it's not like a pie in the sky kind of harebrained idea. This is absolutely something that is needed. And just the the. There was no user experience. And this annoys me a little bit because we're involved very much on the technology side as well. And I believe that if we had a UX, if we had an experienced designer from 
um, you know, talking through a process like this, they would actually map the journey that people would have to go through. So therefore they'd know, okay, when do they need to have the money to buy this element? When do they need to pay for this in order to be able to successfully go through the entire journey? And that's what mapping a customer experience is or a user experience. And I, I genuinely think that um, the government has the best of intentions, and I think that some really good radical ideas, and they get a lot of they get a lot of criticism. But actually, I'm, I've seen some real radical thinking from this current government, but they're not thinking about the user experience at all. They don't Absolutely. seem to understand, and and so therefore the schemes they they introduce can only be relied on from people who have wealthy parents who can back them to do it. And that is a fundamental unfairness, and we are it feels like we're consistently hammering that home. But um, but look, that's that's a problem neither you or I are going to be able to solve today. But let's let's talk about the people you're talking. You're you mentioned there about downsizing and right sizing, and that's a really interesting one at the moment because if we cracked that nut, we could unlock a huge amount of supply. Absolutely, so, and the type of supply that families are looking mm-hmm. for. You know, they have that that extra space, um, and ideally, you could nearly do a swap situation if if if, if the market flowed right and but what I do notice is people are being prepared more like in the downsizing sector like they're not waiting till they're in a position that they actually have to there are people coming into me in their 60s say well we want to do it now while we're fit and able Mm -hmm. and did you see recently and I can't remember which estate agent it was, but actually, I think it might have been a Sheriff Fitzgerald agent in Hoth in in, uh, County Dublin. But they actually advertised a swap. They had somebody who had um, a a beautifully positioned um, uh, home, but a small home not suited to their growing family needs. But, you know, by the sea, absolutely beautiful. And they wanted, they were, they have looked for a home, they couldn't find something and they're not willing to sell their home unless they can find something because they are committed to the area. And I think actually the home buyer in question or, or the, the homeowner in question might have been part of the Coast Guard or some of the, um, um, so needed to be within proximity to the, to the coast and to the area. But I, I thought it was a really creative way to do it. They actually promoted this as um as a potential swap and so it might be a swap where either party will have to compensate the other yeah. if there's a difference yeah. in value but the most important thing that this person who needed who had a lovely home beautifully positioned home needed to sell their home they needed to buy somewhere else and they needed to be in the same area and they just couldn't find something in their area so actually by putting it out as a swap I thought it was very smart because and I must follow up to see how that is going it's only very recent but by advertising a swap they might just trigger interest with people who are sitting in a home who might have the back of their mind to be thinking about downsizing but looking at the options didn't see anything on the market for them so they would never have maybe approached an estate agent or even asked for evaluation or done anything formally about selling but by knowing that there's the potential to swap and end up in a home within walking distance of the village by the sea that's much smaller than their current home but right within their uh, their community they might be interested and we've also experienced a number of off-market sales you know um so, you know, where, where we have the list of properties and we access our own internal database and DNG also became part of Hamptons International um, this year. So 
we're, we're, we have that global database now and we have sold a number of homes this year off market. So there, there is different avenues around selling your property. Um, Magella, will you talk to us a little bit more about that? Because I think both buyers and sellers are really intrigued by off market, uh, off market transactions. And some people like to believe it doesn't happen. Whereas we know it happens in all market types. It was, it's been happening for definitely the last two decades that that I'm aware of. But it, it uh, you know, probably long before that. Can you talk to us a little bit about how they happen and maybe why people don't want to put their home in the open market? Well, like in the experiences we had there now this year, like we had somebody approach us, say that they were thinking of selling, kind of saying to us, if you know anyone looking in this area, but we do want to go public with it. So it was, I suppose, for them as a seller, there was no big commitment. But yet when I looked at our database and when we looked at our international database, we could spot a few buyers, you know, and I was able to go back to the seller and say, look, we have three people here who would be interested in viewing it. We did the three viewings and, you know, we successfully sold the property without going to the market. Fantastic. And for the buyers, um, I, I suppose that really only works if a price can be achieved. So Absolutely. Like, I remember during uh, during the crash and in the early days of recovery, um, we would have seen a lot of off-market sales and generally speaking they were below market value but in such a buoyant market i think it's really important you know to get the price point right and that actually sometimes that level of convenience is a premium not a below market value Absolutely. So, can you tell me a little bit just, don't get me case? wrong here carol you know we would always encourage to go on the market because mm -hmm. you have a clear mind this is the best price i yeah. can get but you've some kind of like unique properties as well that when you 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 have, I suppose my job as an agent is to estimate the market value of it. And when I know I've achieved that price, um, I will talk to the seller about it. And, you know, we we both know that they, they were happy with the price. But um, if somebody is selling a property, you're still the best option is to go out in the open market. Yeah. But from a buyer's perspective, Buyers love the idea of it on an off market, and um, it's I suppose it's exciting for them. They think that they're on, they're the only one in the door, and it can make the process very easy. Because I'd have a number of buyers that would say, you know, is there offers on a property? Is there a bidding war going on? Mm. And they just don't want to enter them anymore. The majority of people. Yeah, yeah, and look, I I understand that. I think it's it's really frustrating, um, and particularly for inexperienced buyers. But I think what we have to remember is that. Even if you're not a first time buyer, for most people, they're only going to do this transaction two or three times in their lifetime. Absolutely. So basically, everybody's an inexperienced buyer when it comes to buying and selling a home, because even if you've experience of doing it seven years ago or 11 years ago, you don't have experience of the market today. So I no. think we maybe need to get that fallacy out of our head. The reality is that every home buyer, really, if they're only doing it a couple of times in their life, um, they're they're an inexperienced buyer in the current marketplace. And actually, that's one of the reasons why I was really keen to talk to you today, because a lot of what we do through iProperty Radio is around, you know, education, education in the market sounds um, a little bit moralistic. But actually, what we're really trying to do is share the experiences, kind of uh, take away the curtain and um, see what's happening on the ground. So a little bit like you telling us about that off market transaction or why people would choose to do that, just to really try to understand what's happening on the ground, because that's the difference between 
an experienced buyer or seller and an inexperienced buyer and seller or an infrequently uh, experienced buyer and seller. So you're you're doing something really fantastic and um, you're offering property clinics. So you might just That's tell right. us a little bit about that. Well, first of all, is it for buyers or sellers or both? It's for both. So fantastic. at the moment, we're doing them online property clinics. Um, we invite in different professionals. It could be a solicitor, it could be a builder, it could be an engineer who are involved in the property transaction. And the idea is to educate people about the process because I feel the more clients know about what happens next, the smoother the process will go for everyone. So in January, we're actually opening them up to in-person and members of the public can come in. They can have their chat with the the expert in question, a casual chat, no obligations, just to, you know, you may not be selling your home at all. You maybe just want to know what's happening in the market, just that casual chat. And I think it's, it's just to... I suppose, take pressure off people like they if they feel that if they call an agent, they're under pressure. It's not. It's it's solely to educate people and let them know what's happening in the market. So what kind of topics do you have planned? Because I know um, I've spoken to you previously and you had some really great advice for sellers who were thinking about selling, because I suppose, um, you know, in the I don't say olden times, a couple of years ago, a decade ago, we would have only been thinking about getting your property ready. You know, there was that old fashioned thing of um, baking bread and fresh flowers, yeah. which by the way, absolutely works. So sometimes the cliches are cliches for a reason. Yeah. So still do that, even though it's old advice. Um, but there's so much more now in terms of not just physical staging, but you can do digital or virtual staging. But actually now we know that, yes, that's important from the first impressions point of view, but actually the thing that really causes delays in a transaction comes down to title so you might just talk about maybe the advice that you're giving um the the advice that you're giving people who are looking to sell uh, second-hand homes at the moment yeah like as i say we always go through the 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 preparation stage i always call it so like we go through the fact that they have to declutter what repairs they need to get done and i would often advise like um I'd, i'd always advise them to contact their solicitor before they go on the market because They'll need to sort out the title, the boundaries, um, all the legal issues, because it's these issues that slow down the process. You could take it, for example, if you had um, you had a, a rural house and you had the septic tank wasn't registered. You know, it's before you go on the market, you need to be tackling those areas. Planning is another one. You know, you could have built um an extension that was over the, the the adequate square footage and got no planning permission for it. Or I suppose another one is you may have got planning permission, but the standard of work may not have been up to, to building regulations. People get tricked in all these situations. And it's only for kind of front loading all this before you go on the market that you can you can safeguard yourself like there's occasions when I would say you know if I notice boundaries or mapping it and issues is a big one as well I'd say I think you should get your engineer in to have a look at this before we go on the market are these the kind of topics that you're going to be covering in the buyer or sorry in the seller clinics absolutely so we will have we will have an engineer in we will have somebody talking about planning we will have um you know professional declutterer in we will have a home stager in we'll have somebody talking about building energy ratings and we'll have a solicitor of course 
Very good. Well, that's the sellers covered. Um, and I suppose for the buyers, you mentioned earlier about the difference, say, um, with first time buyers, not just uh, um, all of the different schemes and grants that are available. And actually, th- there's um, to be fair, I think the the department has done great work. Um, the Department of Housing has done great work in actually letting first time buyers know about their schemes. But it just doesn't seem to be filtering down or, I, you know, maybe people are just um, not not so much slow to engage, but they just assume that these schemes are very complex when actually they have been made much simpler um, in recent years. Will you be taking um, home buyers, whether they're first time buyers, through those? We will. We will. So we ha- we actually have um, a number of speakers booked since last week and um, coming in the spring that will take them through each scheme. We'll also have mortgage brokers in and we'll also have somebody talking about the vacant property grant and explaining the stages. And as you say, going through what journey they need to do, just so it's all about the education of it so that they're prepared. Uh, well, I'm really delighted to hear that. So make sure that if any of your uh, if anybody in, is in the audience who has actually tried to avail of that scheme, make sure they ask those questions because we absolutely want to communicate that these are good schemes. We need them to work. And by the way, we've seen through different schemes when they were um, maybe they, they weren't um, implemented as workable as they should be. Uh, when there was low take up within a year or two years, there was changes to the process. So actually, that's that's probably the kind of thing we needed. And um, I'm conscious of your time. So the last thing I want to touch on, you mentioned it earlier about green mortgages. How how like I, I in my in my experience, home buyers, whether they're first time buyers or people trading up or investors, they're extremely savvy. They're extremely knowledgeable about the local marketplace. They know every property and they know every property that was on the market and what it sold for and everything that's on the market now. But they tend to be a little bit scared about mortgages. And that seems to be the thing. They don't research so much. So you mentioned green mortgages. What's the take up of that in your experience? And I understand you're not a mortgage broker. So it's just maybe from the home buyers you're dealing with. That's why I think I'd always recommend people that would work with a mortgage broker that would know the market and that would be able to get the best rate for them. Now, um, when I say green mortgages, they get a lower interest rate if they um, buy a property that's a B3 or higher. So, you know, it's it's much more enticing for them, hence why the the higher energy properties are selling better. Very good. And I so I presume there's going to be a a, a nice bit of mortgages uh, mortgage chat covered in your seminars. Absolutely. And we will what we'll also be doing is we'll be sharing those in our YouTube channel, obviously not personal ones, but you know, just chats with myself and the talker. So we will we will get we will get the knowledge out there. Oh, I'm delighted to hear that. Miguel, I think it's a fantastic initiative. Um, and I know you've already started doing it and the in-person ones kick off in um, 2024. But the demand for knowledge is so strong and we want buyers and sellers to be really armed with information um, so that they understand. And, and because there's a lot of frustration in the marketplace. And I think when there's mixed media messaging, it, you know, it just adds to the confusion and it adds to the sense of frustration and, and maybe anger and just sometimes information is the way to diffuse that a little bit. So I think it's fantastic that you've taken I think sometimes, Carl, you said it quite rightly there. I think the problem is we've too much information and it's just what's relevant is information to these people is what we want to get out there. 
fantastic. So when when or how can people register or see what's coming up so and make what, sure they get what involved? What you do is if you visit our website www.dngalvin.ie, I write weekly blogs addressing all these topics. And you can you can book a slot on that and do a one to one with me. And I'll let you know when we we'll have all the updates there. We'll also share them on our social media. Um, but if you book in with us, we'll certainly get your questions answered. Oh, fantastic, Magella. And um, from our perspective at iProperty Radio, we'll be happy to support them and send them around because I think that this is really information that we want every home buyer and home seller to have. So thank you so much to yourself and the team for taking the initiative. And thank you for taking the time to talk us through all that today. It's always fascinating to hear what's happening on the ground. So thank you so much for your time. It was lovely talking to you, Carol. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure, as always. That was Magella Galvin, Director of D&G Galvin and Chair of the SESI Southern Region. Is that still the case, Magella? Are you? It is, yeah. That, that that was um I, I know that was from our previous from our previous um call so delighted about that and um, my thanks to producer Kate Talon and to the production team at Hear Me Roar Media and also huge thanks to our show uh, sponsor Daft.ie Ireland's most visited property website also thank you to you for tuning in we'll catch you on the next episode of the Property Roundup in the meantime please be sure to check out all of the other Irish and real estate Irish and international real estate and construction shows on iProperty Radio. 